with the latest in breaking news and information from the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious, it's fun, it's your Catholic Drive Time. And welcome to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. Today is Thursday, December 7th, 2023, the Feast of St. Ambrose. Yeah. You know St. Ambrose? Have you heard of this great saint? Well, maybe you know St. Augustine, his student. Now, St. Augustine, he is probably one of the most well-known saints. And St. Ambrose is a doctor of the church, kind of overshadowed by the great St. Augustine. I kind of compare them to St. Albert the Great, who is a doctor of the church. And he was the teacher of St. Thomas Aquinas, but is overshadowed by his student, St. Thomas Aquinas. But St. Ambrose played a pivotal role in the conversion of St. Augustine. See, Augustine was fascinated by Ambrose, often just sitting in his presence and drawn by the atmosphere that Ambrose created. One kind of funny thing that Augustine noted about Ambrose was that he would come in and he would see Ambrose sitting there by himself, reading without saying a word. Now you're thinking, oh, what's, what's weird about that? Well, apparently back then, nobody did that. Everybody read out loud. People, if you were literate, when you read, you read out loud and people didn't read in their heads. And Ambrose is the first recorded person that we see reading silently in their head. That's a pretty wild situation. Kind of a side note, though. So despite Ambrose's busy life, his silent apostolate with Augustine, characterized by his mere presence, exemplifies the importance of a quiet, influential presence in the apostolate. See, Ambrose did not interrupt his work for Augustine. Many modern people would say that you should drop everything and engage in conversation with someone, but Ambrose understood that he had a vocation to defend the church with his writings. And he trusted in divine providence. So he allowed Augustine to sit in his room as he worked, but he wasn't engaging in conversation the majority of the time. He continued writing, believing that God would guide Augustine. Now, this emphasizes Ambrose's trust in divine providence. Now, I'll share just one other story about Ambrose that I think is absolutely amazing. And I wish that we'd have bishops act in this way today. See, St. Ambrose, he refused to let Emperor Theodosius entered the cathedral. Yeah, the emperor himself. So the, the emperor, Theodosius, committed a heinous act where he killed some, or he personally didn't do it, but he ordered the killing of men, women, and children. And because of this, after he had promised that he would show clemency. And so Ambrose, whenever Theodosius showed up to enter the cathedral, he halted him at the front door. He showed up with his crozier and his full Episcopal regalia and stood in front of the cathedral doors and forbade him from entering the church until he made a public act of repentance. Now, Emperor Theodosius, who was the most powerful man in the world at the time, humbled himself before St. Ambrose and he repented. He repented of his sin, and then and only then did Ambrose allow him to enter into the church. Now, this emphasizes the fact that the spiritual has a hierarchy over the temporal. 
that even the secular rulers, the highest, most noble, most glorified people in the world should submit to the spiritual power. Now, I think this would be a great and wonderful thing if we started seeing this happen all over the world today, especially in the United States. Can you think of anyone who that might be applied to? I wonder. Now, there's a bishop, Bishop Bousset, commenting on this topic on St. Ambrose, and he emphasized the church's mission to hold earthly powers in check, that the clergy should humble political and economic powers when they deviate from God's plan. So what should we pray to St. Ambrose today on this, his feast day? Well, let's pray to St. Ambrose to give us the conviction that he had of the supremacy of the spiritual power over the temporal, so that we might become the builders of the new Christendom, the reign of Mary that will be installed here on earth. St. Ambrose, pray Pray for for us. us. Joining us right now is Rudy Carlos. Good morning to you, Rudy. Good morning, Adrian. St. Ambrose, amazing. Yeah. And to think, he was such a good friend. It's almost like... uh, it's almost like he's encouraging us to have good and holy friendships. Amen. Amen. You know, it's, I think it's so interesting that he would read in his head and that that was weird. <laughs> like imagine if every time you saw someone reading, they were reading out loud, how annoying that would be. That's, I mean, that sounds absurd to me, to be honest with you. Right? right. That, uh, nobody, so strange? That nobody ever uh, read in their head. <laughs> but I guess if you think about it, what percentage of people just like read in general? Yeah, well, that's true. That's true. Yeah, that that certainly minimizes the uh, the amount of people that would be reading at the same time. Yeah, but uh, it is really weird. I, you know, now that you say that, I'm like, I wonder if that's a true story or not. I I wonder if check. I wonder if they were able to rotate a photorealistic apple in their head. Yeah, that's a good question. (laughs) I imagine they probably could. (laughs) Probably, but I, I'm pretty sure, and I gotta go back and check now. Now, now I'm doubting myself. I want to say I read that 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 was read uh, written in. Augustine's Confessions, where he talks about Ambrose reading silently in his head. And I don't, well, obviously he doesn't be like, he wasn't like, and nobody did this at this time, but he, uh, <laughs> I'm pretty sure he, he's where we get the source from that, uh, that account. But anyway, nonetheless, at 15 past the hour coming up on the show today, the FBI persecutes Catholics. Really interesting. We're going to talk about that at 15 past the hour. At 30 past the hour, Mr. Jose Bienad is going to be talking about the canonization of Queen Isabella of Spain. Yeah, that Queen Isabella. The 1492 Queen Isabella. Yeah, that one. At 45 past the hour, Alan Smith with Bishop Sheen today. Or no, not 45 past the hour. At In the next hour. He, Bishop Sheen today, Alan Smith, Bishop Sheen today will be joining us. And of course, we have our Fear and Trembling game show coming up as well. So you're not going to want to miss any of that. It'll be a great time. But let's begin with prayer. We're going to be praying for your intentions, for whatever it is that you have going on in your life, for our friends, family, and benefactors, and all those we promise to pray for, for the salvation of souls, the liberty and exaltation of Holy Mother Church, and in a special way, I want to pray for my grandfather. But also today, I just found out my friend uh, just had their baby, baby Nicholas, for the Feast of St. Nicholas. And they were born four months early. So major, major preemie. So prayers for the baby that everything goes well uh, with their development. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. 
O divine infant Jesus, I have recourse to thee. Please, through thy blessed mother, assist me in this necessity, because I firmly believe that thy divinity can help me. I hope with confidence to obtain thy holy grace. I love thee with all my heart, with all the strength of my soul. I repent sincerely of my sins, and I beg thee, O good Jesus, to grant me the strength to triumph over them. I resolve nevermore to offend thee, and I come to offer myself to thee with the intention of enduring everything rather than to displease thee. Henceforth, I desire to serve thee with fidelity, and for the love of thee, O divine infant, I will love my neighbor as myself. All-powerful infant, O Jesus, I implore thee again, assist me in this need. Grant me the grace of possessing thee eternally with Mary and Joseph, and of adoring thee with the angels in the heavenly court. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. And now your headline news with Rudy Carlos. Good morning. You're listening to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. Happy Friday Eve. We're here on Thursday, and here are some of your headlines this morning. House passes a bill to block Biden vehicle emission standards. In April, the EPA proposed a rule that would set more stringent standards for light and medium-duty vehicles. The model years between 2027 and 2032. GOP lawmakers argued that the country lacks the critical infrastructure to support more EVs on the road and that the rule would put a strain on power grids. The members also asserted that the regulation would be a giveaway to China, which dominates EV supply chains. Democrats, on the other hand, contend that the measure is not a technology-specific mandate, but rather a performance-based regulation. And a new homeland security guide aims to help houses of worship protect themselves. So maybe you uh, are a participant in the security of your parish? You might look into this. In response to heightened threats, Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas underscored the commitment to safeguarding the right to worship. The Department of Homeland Security released a guide to help churches and other faith-based institutions protect against targeted violence. The Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency provides clear, accessible guidance, including landscaping measures and live stream precautions. It even emphasizes having a response plan and offers information on federal grants for security improvements. And finally, Marjorie Taylor Greene calls Tucker Carlson, the U.S. is on fire. GOP isn't doing enough to save it. She says, quote, I was shocked. When the Ukraine and Russia war started, or if you want to call it a war, I don't call it a war. It's a funded war. We give them $1 billion every single month. That doesn't have to do with war. That pays for their government. That pays for their salaries. That pays for their retirement. We have so many problems at home, and people in my district are suffering. People have lost their businesses. They can't pay for rent. Senior citizens are choosing between food and medicine. And our border is overrun. People are dying every single day. But all of a sudden, every Republican I knew, barely knew, by the way, they're carrying Ukraine flags in their front pocket. It's as if I was in a foreign country, she said. Green further explained in an interview that her colleagues began asking if she was pro-Putin because she opposed aid packages. She revealed that House members caved to pressure exerted on them by the war lobby, which offers them massive campaign donations to help them win re-election. Green first started serving the U.S. House of Representatives in 2020. She's been one of the most outspoken America First conservatives in the country since then, earning criticism from liberal Democrats and the establishment wing of the GOP along the way. Now, those are your headline news this morning, well, some of them at least, but stay tuned on Catholic Drive Time for more. Back to you, Adrian.
Thank you, Rudy, for keeping us up to date. The gospel of the day is Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 through 27. Now, this is a hard saying. Now, verses 21 through 23 here says, Not everyone that saith to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doth the will of my Father who is in heaven, he shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name and cast out devils in thy name and done many miracles in thy name? And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you that work iniquity. Now, there the passage goes on from there, but that's what we're going to be focusing on today. Here, Cornelius Alapide commenting on this. And I recommend reading the whole commentary from him today. It's excellent. He says, Not everyone that shall say it unto me, but he that doth the will of the Father. So what is the will of the Father? Now he says that there are two commandments. By doing these two commandments, you are fulfilling the will of the Father. Now, I'm going to be honest. These two commandments can could probably be broken down into subcategories. But here are the two in broad strokes. Number one, to believe in Christ with an orthodox faith. Now, believing in Christ with an orthodox faith. That means right belief. You can't just say, I believe that Christ exists because the devils believe that, right? And it's not simply believe all the doctrines and dogmas of the Catholic Church because the devils all believe in the church. They believe all those things are true. So it can't simply be that. It can't not be what one might say faith alone, but it's one element of it. The number two, the second part of it is to perform and act indeed the commands of Christ. To perform and act indeed the commands of Christ. So you must also live out the gospel message. Now, what are the commands of Christ? One might ask, well, let me give you just two. Love your neighbor as yourself and love God. Now, of course, love God comes prior. You have to love God first and foremost and love your neighbor as yourself. These two are the commandments in which we have to keep. Now, if you love God, you will keep his commandments, right? What are the commandments? The Ten Commandments, for one. That's a good starting place. There's so much more. I think this is very important for us to keep in mind. So what two things must we do in order to fulfill his commands? One, believe in Christ with the Orthodox faith. And two, to perform and act and deed the commands of Christ. Do those two things, and maybe, just maybe, you'll see eternal beatitude. We'll be right back. Hope. The Catholic Encyclopedia has much to say about hope. Going online to newadvent.org, we see hope explained as the desire and expectation of future good. Each of us prays and looks to the situations and events of our lives with a desire and expectation that something good awaits us. We pray for the ultimate good, a close and intimate relationship with God. During Advent, we also look to the prophecy candle of hope. The prophet Isaiah foretold of the coming of Jesus. As Christians, we must stay firm in our expectation of goodness. For our salvation lies in seeing goodness in people and focusing on our relationship with God. Jesus said that the kingdom of God is now. Like a guiding star in the night, hope is born as we turn our desires and expectations to God. 
This has been a bit of Catholic encouragement from Michael Gisandi. There will come a day when each of us will be asked to review the movie of our life and give an account to God. We will sorrowfully relive the bad times and joyfully revisit the good. Thankfully, no matter what you've done, there is hope. Since Jesus came not to condemn the world, but to save it. So if you've been away from church for a while, we invite you to come home and find the peace that only comes from God. Visit catholicscomehome.org. And welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. Praise be to God. It's good to be on with you today. It's always good to be here with you. For sure. 100%. It's always good to be here. Now, there were some stories that I thought were really interesting. I think you'll find them very interesting as well. Uh, for example, there's a story that came out. It was a, It's a kind of an old story. We've talked about it as the story's been developing but we just recently got more information about the situation here. Now, what's the story? Why am I bearing the lead? The story is FBI is persecuting the Catholic Church. Well, maybe persecution is a too strong of a term for right now. I'm sure it'll it'll grow in the future. But perhaps it's more accurate to say FBI investigates Catholics. So we're going to talk about this. But first and foremost, I want to play this clip for you where Senator Hawley explains or is um, talking about the in the House what's going on here. And so we'll play that clip for you. Director, this is one of the most outrageous targetings you have mobilized your division, the most powerful law enforcement division in the world against traditionalist Catholics, whatever the heck that means, and you're just told us you, you have not fired a single person. I mean, here, it gets worse. Your Richmond field office, they thought there was nothing wrong with this. The House interviewed the head of the Richmond field office. He testified. It's all here in the public report. I refer you to it, pages 12, 13, 14. He testified he saw no problem with this. He said he thought it was fine. In fact, we have internal memoranda of the members of the field office high-fiving. One peer reviewer, another member of the field office wrote, I think this is a great product. I really enjoyed the read. Do you have a problem with systemic bigotry against Catholics in the FBI? No. What are you going to do about this? Are you going to fire these people or not? Those individuals have all been admonished, and it is all going Honest. into their, if you would let me finish my answer, it is all going into their annual performance reviews, which has direct impact on their compensation, among other things. Oh, I see. Oh, I see. I see. So the 60 million American Catholics who, we now, who now learn that your FBI has recommended that priests be recruiters and informants, your FBI has gone to priests, choir directors, but we're to feel better because you've admonished them for their wrongdoing. You, again, are conflating two different well, things. I'm not. When I am we taking are... your testimony where you said you do not. You said categorically, categorically, you said we do not. We do not go to priests and ask them about their parishioners. You said we do not. You didn't say we haven't. You didn't say we won't. You said we don't. As it turns out, you do. And you kept it from the public. You deliberately misled Congress about it. And the only reason we know about it is because a whistleblower came forward. I just That's fundamentally disagree with your characterization. Well, there's no characterization. The facts are the facts. And I fundamentally resent the fact that you have violated, if not the spirit, if not the letter, certainly the spirit of the First Amendment. 
and use your law enforcement agency against Catholics in this nation. Well, that was excellent. I, <laughs> I could not have said it any better to myself, but it is certainly a very concerning situation where the FBI is investigating Catholics. And not only that, but then they lie to us about it. Because you remember, you remember, and we talked about this back when this came out. You remember whenever it first happened, they were saying, oh, I'm so sorry this happened. We had no idea. These, This was just some random field office, and it was not something that was across the board. But we now know that the FBI effort is involved in at least four field offices, which if it's in four, I imagine it's probably in more. And that they use, they authorize the use of undercover agents to infiltrate Catholic parishes and use at least in one occasion, which if there's one occasion, there's probably more, use a Catholic priest and a choir director to inform on one of the their parishioners. Now, they also specifically called out the, in a, they interviewed a priest, a choir director of the Society of St. Pius X. Uh, the Daily Wire reports saying whistleblower disclose, disclosures in the report said FBI authorities interviewed a priest and choir director of the Society of St. Pius X, an internationally priestly society promoting traditional practices affiliated with a Catholic church in Richmond, Virginia, between November and December of 2022. Now, what's interesting about this comment is the fact that in, if you remember in the memo, it talked about radical traditional Catholics and under traditional Catholics, they had a, a footnote. And so it's like, okay, so what do they mean by traditional Catholics? And they included basically anyone who goes to the Latin mass. It said the SSPX, the fraternity of St. Peter, the FSSP, the Institute of Christ, the King, diocesan Latin masses. It all included them all together as radical traditionalist Catholics. Now, I run in a lot of circles around traditional Catholics, and I have a lot of friends who go to various places for the traditional mass. Uh, pretty much, I know people who go to every category that they that they put in that footnote. I have friends who go to at least at least a friend, if not multiple friends, who go to at least one of the places listed in the footnote of the FBI's memo. And I have to tell you, I don't see a, the, the other day. I, it was crazy. They they had a man dressed as Bishop Nicholas, and people were taking pictures, and they're bringing kids to take pictures with them and giving out chocolate candies. Uh, these radical traditionalist Catholics are, are dangerous, very very dangerous. Um, and they also had a piñata and posadas. Oh my goodness, it was it was pretty crazy at some of these churches. And this Sunday, rumor is. At some of these traditional Catholic parishes, they're having a feast of Our Lady of Guadalupe. And I heard it's a, it's a, it's a hotbed of white supremacy. Um, but by the way, they're having mariachis on Sunday to celebrate Our Lady of Guadalupe. Uh, by the way, so just wanted to keep you in, informed about what was happening. Uh, I'll, I'll be the FBI's informant for you and, ex- and expose what these radical traditional Catholics are doing. 
at their parishes. I mean, can you believe it? Uh, craziness. Uh, it's pretty, it's, it's very sad to see this happen, especially whenever you remember the story, and, uh, or maybe, maybe you don't. It's one of those things that's a memory hold where they kind of just take these stories and they, they d- disappear them. Where, you remember that story where they talked about the FBI was investigating this pedophile and they dropped it in order to investigate other things. And it wasn't until years later where they actually ended up arresting the guy only after he had committed more crimes. So why, why was that dropped? But the Catholics are still being investigated. And that, that's my question. That's very, very interesting. Don't, don't you think? I think it's a very strange situation that they will, are wanting to do that. And I also wonder, how much more would this be happening if Kyle Serafin earlier this year didn't release the uh, expose, or not expose, but whistleblowed on what was happening in the FBI? If he didn't do that, how bad would it be right now? How much more investigation would they be doing of these, quote, traditional Catholics? And it's also interesting, they don't, they don't define traditional Catholics. They don't tell you what that means. And it makes you wonder, what do you mean by that? If by traditional Catholic you mean someone who believes in the Catholic faith? Because I can't imagine that the FBI cares about the Latin Mass. I don't think they care what language Mass is in. I don't think they care if they're doing the prayers at the foot of the altar or not. I don't think they care about that at all. I think what they probably care about is the teachings of the church and quote unquote traditional Latin mass attendees tend to believe all the teachings of the church and they preach them and they talk about them from the pulpit. And my guess is that that's what they're concerned about. And so my guess is it has nothing to do with Latin mass. It's about the Catholic faith. My guess is, is that if you go to a parish where your pastor or your priest teaches the Catholic faith whole and entire, that preaches the truth from the pulpit, my guess is it doesn't matter what language your mass is in. It doesn't matter which rite of the church you're in. My guess is that you're considered a traditional Catholic in the eyes of the FBI. If your priest has ever preached from the pulpit against abortion, if you ever preached against contraception, against divorce, against any of the woes of society? How about transgenderism? If you've ever heard a sermon about any of these things from your pulpit, my guess is the FBI considers you a traditional Catholic. It doesn't matter what you categorize yourself as. It's what the FBI does. And if you uh, have to, if you, if you ask me, if you, uh, if you believe in the Catholic faith, whole and entire, Well, our Lord said, if they persecuted him, they will persecute you. Uh, So a servant is not greater than his master. Okay, on to this story. The election polls uh, came in and really interesting. So Donald Trump is enjoying a commanding lead in the polls for the Republican nomination with a nearly 47 point advantage over his closest rival, Ron DeSantis. Our Trump support is at 59.6%, while DeSantis is at 12.7%. Now, Nikki Haley is third place with 10.6%. Uh, 
though it seems that uh, Haley is actually really close behind DeSantis in some uh, key places like Iowa and in South Carolina, she is actually, I believe, ahead of DeSantis um, by a significant margin. And but still, even in her home state of South Carolina, Trump leads with a 30 point advantage. It's also interesting that Trump is also leading Biden in recent polls, which typically I don't really trust polls too much, but they typically lean more left. They typically lean to support uh, the Democratic uh, nominee. And so the fact that it's saying that Trump is leading Biden is really interesting. And he's leading not just nationally, but he's also leading in key battleground states. In six out of eight national polls, Trump is leading Biden by various margins. And that is a very interesting thing, especially considering that Biden said as long as Trump is in the race, he is going to run, which led people to ask, does that mean if he doesn't run, you're going to drop out? So that's interesting. I think that's very interesting to see, especially considering. And here's a question for you. The Ron DeSantis versus uh, Gavin Newsom debate. Do you remember that that happened? Did you watch that? I didn't watch it. So my question for you is, one, Gavin Newsom said, the thing, the only thing we share in common is that neither of us is going to be president or neither of us are running for president or something like that. Do you care about the debate at all? Would you like me to do a debrief of it? Because I didn't watch it. But if you want to know what happened there, I'll go watch it and report back to you. Because I was thinking, who cares, right? Neither of them are going to be president. It's clearly going to be Trump versus Biden at, the, at this point. Barring some radical change, the election will be Trump versus Biden. So let's pray that both of them have a conversion to the one holy Catholic and apostolic faith, whole and entire. Maybe be a traditional, radical, traditional Catholic, like the FBI might say. We'll be right back with more Catholic Drive Time right after this. Hi, this is Trent Horn from Catholic Answers. Has anyone ever told you that they believe abortion is wrong, except in the case of rape? It's easy for pro-lifers to come off as uncaring towards women when they talk about this issue, especially if they only say rape accounts for 1% of abortions. That's true, but more should be said. Strongly affirm that rape is an awful crime and that women are victimized when others don't take this crime seriously. Some countries execute rape victims in honor killings, which is barbaric. In our country, we don't execute rapists, much less rape victims, and yet we execute the child who was conceived in rape, the other innocent party. Shouldn't we oppose acts of violence against rape victims and the children conceived through rape? This has been Trent Horn with a Catholic Answers Pro-Life Minute. For my free pro-life booklet that will make you better at defending human life, visit whyweareprolife.com. So many of us carry such heavy burdens. You're crazy! Deep within, we struggle because sin separates us from God. But thanks to the grace of confession, God compassionately listens, forgives, and sets us free. So if it's been a while since you've been to confession or mass, come home and experience a fresh start. Visit catholicscomehome.org. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm Rita Carlos, and here are more breaking news and headlines for you. 
Iran orders the U.S. to pay $50 billion for assassinating its top general, Qasem Soleimani. A Tehran court has ordered the U.S. government to pay nearly $50 billion in damages for the 2020 drone strike that killed Iranian General Qasem Soleimani and his Iraqi lieutenant. The court found 42 individuals and legal entities guilty, including former President Donald Trump, the U.S. government, former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, and former Defense Secretary Mark Esper. This follows a series of compensation rulings against the United States by Iranian courts, while U.S. courts have also issued multi-billion dollar compensation rulings against Tehran for attacks it denies responsibility for. And Senate Democrats says governments are spying on smartphone users through push notifications. Senator Ron Wyden from Oregon has raised concerns about foreign governments potentially using push notifications to spy on smartphone users. He wrote to Attorney General Merrick Garland citing information received that foreign governments had approached Apple and Google for records of smartphone push notifications. Both tech companies indicated they couldn't release such information due to government policy. Wyden urged the Justice Department to allow transparency, permitting Apple and Google to disclose legal requests from foreign governments. He emphasized users' rights to know when other governments seek information about their data and suggested modifications to policies hindering that transparency. Now, those are all your headlines this morning. Thank you for listening to Catholic Drive Time. May God bless all of your holy efforts today. Hey, Rudy, did you uh, report on uh, on this? I think it's interesting. Our producer, Tim Mott, just uh, sent a message saying, don't forget... Today is Pearl Harbor Day. Mm, Pearl Harbor Day. Pearl wow. Harbor Day. So, praise be to God. We'll pray for the repose of the souls of everyone who who died on Pearl Harbor Day. Mm-hmm. And uh, Rudy, when I'm trying to remember, and try off the top of my head, I should have looked this up. When Pearl Harbor Day was it was like 1940. 41? <laughs> 41. <laughs> I, I'm going to be honest. I cheated. Uh, Tim has given me the, the numbers up in, in the background over there. And I'm like, oh, man, I don't. I should have looked this up. But uh, 1941. So what? That's 80, about 80 years ago. 80. Uh, why am I doing math? Yeah. Why 82 are you years tra- ago. Man, 82 years ago. Something on. like that. 82 uh, years ago. We are. Uh, that was a long time ago. Wow. So is anybody still alive that can remember? Pearl Harbor Day? I guess that could well, be, theoretically. It might be like one or two, maybe. Yeah. yeah, maybe someone who's like in their 90s, late 90s could remember it. Uh, but wild, wild. Okay. Uh, nonetheless, I think that was uh, something to to keep in mind on this day, something to pray for as you're going through your day. All right. Joining us right now is uh, Mr. Pepo Binad. He is an entrepreneur and a key figure with the Queen Isabella canonization process. He has a strong background in IT, and he's contributed significantly, including building the canonization website. Good morning to you, Mr. Binar. Good morning. Pleased to meet you. Thank you very much for having me. Praise be to God. It's good to have you on. I I heard about the canonization of Queen Isabella, and I was was like, this is crazy. I never – I mean, I love Queen Isabella, but whenever I bring her up, you know, they – immediate thing is people go straight to 
oh, you know, she was terrible. She was the one who let Columbus come in and do all these evil things. And so I'm always trying to defend her. And I think it's wild to hear that people want to push for a canonization. Uh, so tell me about this. Let's start from the beginning. Uh, how did the canonization process, how did this kind of come up? Well, it went almost half a century ago. In 1948, a woman from Argentina, she was studying about uh, all the teachers teaching her about black legends and slavery and a lot of things that didn't make sense to her. And, and she said, all oh, my family comes from centuries of tradition, of Catholic tradition, and it's never been this way. So she made some research and she ended up writing the Holy Father in Rome saying, how can this woman not be canonized? So that started to shake the Vatican first, and then the, the Vatican, after concluding a, a preliminary studies, called the bishop in Valladolid, where she was died, our, our queen. And they finally uh, started the course in 1972. Well, the, the, they, they ended the preliminary studies in 1972, and they started the course. And it's been moving forward almost until 2005. Pope um, St. John Paul II came to Spain in 2005. And a lot of people say that it was the moment and it was everything was ready. He even signed some documents uh, acknowledging that he was going to sign, uh, in, write her name in the Book of Saints. But um, politics, uh, high hierarchy movements, and uh, it stopped. He came to Spain in the fifth century anniversary of her death. Everything was ready for that, but it didn't happen. So a lot of people are pushing forward again. And we're trying to expand her figure and her legacy. Well, praise be to God. I'm glad to hear it. Now, of course, people don't really know how these things happen. So it kind of goes away. How did the process get reignited? What does that look like uh, practically? It was reignited strongly in 2010. A lot of uh, bishops uh, from Spain and some from Spanish-speaking countries uh, asked the Pope in, a, in, a, in an audience. And he said, bring me a letter with, with full support, like 100 bishops or cardinals wow. should, sign, should sign the petition and we would have it ready. And they did. They gathered almost 100 requests from different bishops around the world. And it started there. It began strong again. It had like a roller coaster, ups and downs. But with the recent movement, uh, the, the past uh, postulator died and a new one has come in months ago. And he's starting very strong work in getting this done. He, he already got an audience with the Holy Father in February 2024. So there's going to be a pilgrimage to Rome and they're going to formally, again, request for her canonization. Praise be to God. I would love to hear it. Now, okay, so what is your connection with Queen Isabel, and how did you get involved in this? I've always been connected to her because I think she really brought the faith to America. And when I moved to Dallas, from Madrid to Dallas in 2019, I, I kind of started uh, realizing that in, in the U.S., Columbus was very well known, Fray Junipero is very well known, but her figure, who was the, the, the main cause of the evangelization, was really unknown. 
So, for example, as you were talking at the beginning, she put to jail Columbus. In her second trip, in his second trip, he brought some uh, people from Cuba and he sold them as slaves in Spain. And he, he ended up in jail because of Queen Isabella. Slavery was never allowed in Spain or in the kingdoms of Spain. And Columbus is very well known in New York, in, in the country. He has a feast day because he brought the faith and the West civilization to the U.S. But Columbus would have done nothing without Queen Isabella. So I think she was much deeper in faith. He was a good Catholic, of course, but he had temptations like all of us. But Queen Isabella was really holy, and she didn't allow anything that was could hurt people, could uh, uh, put people away from God, and was not related directly to the Catholic Church. Now, the story of uh, Christopher Columbus, I think, I, I, for one, love Christopher Columbus, and every day on his on his day, we always talk about kind of the myth-busting of the life of Christopher Columbus because he's vastly misunderstood, and I like to just adopt him as a, a part of Spanish culture, even though the Italians want to take ownership of him, and I'm like, guys, yeah, yes, he was Italian, but come on, the, the Spaniards are the only reason why he's uh, he's famous. Otherwise, he would have got stuck in Europe. But uh, praise be to God. Now, before we're going to go to a quick break. When we come back, I want to talk about the actual life of Queen Isabel. But tell me about the website before we go to a break. Well, there's an official website from the diocese uh, about specific about the committee that is pushing forward the initiative. And what we have created now is a website for the U.S. To, we produce a small video. We want to make her figure known among the U.S. citizens and all Americans. Well, praise be to God. That website, you can find it, reginacatholic.org, reginacatholic, uh, sorry, reginacatholica.org, Catholica, reginacatholica.org, my mistake, reginacatholica.org, you can find it there, um, and you can get more information about her, about what's going on there, uh, any events that are going to be happening, it seems those things will be posted on that website, so reginacatholica.org, it's in Spanish and in English if you want to check that out, but we're going to go to a quick break, when we come back, the life of Queen Isabel, do you know about this great queen, what do you know, maybe what you know about her is lies, maybe what you know about her is myths, we're going to talk about all of this when we get back on Catholic Drive Time. Don't go anywhere. More on Catholic Drive Time after this short break. You're going to want to hear about this great, soon-to-be saint, God willing, Queen Isabel of Spain. I would always hear from uh, different people at non-Catholic churches that Catholics were going to hell or that they really didn't know who the Lord was. The Catholic Church is not all what people say it is. I mean, it's completely different. There's so many stereotypes. It's very possible to know the Lord, and it's very possible to have a relationship with God in the Catholic Church. I believe I was born into the Catholic Church, and that's where I belong. If you've been away from the Catholic Church, visit catholicscomehome.org. 
Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. What does it take to constitute an actual church? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, a gathering of Christians is not automatically a church. Although Matthew 18 says, where two or three are gathered in my name, I am in their midst, that is not a text to be interpreted as a premise for a church. That's a requirement to legitimize an accusation. Secondly, Catholic teaching. Christ established and sustains the church as both a mystical community and a visible organization with hierarchy and jurisdiction. And thirdly, my take. Eventually, you have to decide what one item is absolutely essential for our Lord to say, that's my church. So is it a church if there's simply a common belief in the Bible? Or perhaps just a doctrinal agreement? Is it compliance to the Apostles' Creed? Could it be the stamp of approval from a denomination? Maybe an ordained pastor makes it officially a church. So, you know that place you've been attending every Sunday morning at 10 a.m.? Maybe it's not even a church. Maybe it's just a good, healthy hangout. Ooh. And welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. Praise be to God. It's good to be on with you today. We're talking about Queen Isabel of Spain, a great and wonderful Catholic queen. Uh, Mr. Jose Bienad, he's involved with the uh, canonization process of this great queen. And we're talking to him about who she was. Uh, Good morning to you, Mr. Bienad. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Well, praise be to God. It's good to have you on. Now, tell me about this wonderful woman. Most people probably don't know anything about her except that she was the one who gave her gave the okay and the funding for Columbus to go to the New World. Uh, so let's start from the beginning. Who is this woman? She's a very humble woman from Madrid, from the north of Spain, two hours north from Madrid. She was born in uh, 1405. Nobody expected her to become a queen. She was like fifth in the line of succession to the kingdom of Spain. Her family had uh, implications with the previous monarchs and they had some issues also with revolts and and everything. So nobody wanted her family in the kingdom. What happened is the divine providence started moving her, her life around and she was completely offered to God. She was following the example of Our Lady, our most blessed mother, saying, yes, let it be done according to your will. So mainly she got to the throne, almost she was between 19 and 21 years old. A lot of people tried to put her on on the throne to manipulate her and take advantage of her. A lot of people didn't want her on the throne, but with with her performance as as the Queen of Spain, Castile, and then Aragon, when she married Fernando, she united a country that has been under very tough circumstances with seven centuries of Muslim invasion, uh, people uh, leaving the faith and converting to Judaism or Muslim or Arab uh, religions. And she gave the right basis because everything she did, she did it from the prayer. She took advice from their counselors, but then she went to the chapel and said, this is my main advisor. So she stood there for, on her knees for, for hours until she found out what God was asking her to do. Wow. Well, praise be to God. Now, okay, so how does someone like this, how is someone like this, like, I always wonder whenever it comes to the, the, the royalty who are saints and their, their childhood, how they were raised, because it's always, a, we have this kind of, 
mm, anti-monarchy tendency in the United States. And so we think royalty bad. And maybe there could be exceptions to the rule. Or you ever once in a while, you might have a, a decent person. So how was she raised? Well, I, I, that struck me in the U.S. too, because if we as Catholics really believe that Christ is the king of the universe, monarchy is not as bad as we should expect. And when someone in the leadership, like the king or the queen, really follow the gospel, that never be improved by any other way of governance. It's the best. One will united to the will of God. One heart guiding a country, all the hearts of the uh, subjects synchronized with the sacred heart of our God, of our God and of our mother. So she was raised very humbly. Her mother was accused of being mad and she was put into a castle, a very humble castle, an austere life, poverty almost. She had to sew her own clothes. She, although she was a potential inheritor of the kingdom, she, until her 14 years old, she was raised away from the world, secluded in a very humble village, and helping her mother and taking care of her siblings. That was the, her comments. When the king at that time began to feel uh, the lack of power he had, he brought her to the court to gain support from her family advisors and so on and so on. So she was taken from a life almost in solitude and loneliness to the court of Madrid that was very corrupt at that time. It was in Segovia. Uh, the king had different lovers and wives. He couldn't get any women pregnant, so he tried everything. It was a, a very disappointing uh, experience for her. And he asked the bishop, remove me from the court. I don't want, if, if this means to be a king or a queen, I don't want to be here. I need to take care of my mother and my siblings. And so she went back until finally, through alliances and uh, noble support, she got to marry Fernando of Aragon. And there was a project of reuniting Spain that was broken since almost the seventh century. Wow. And she said, yes. They had different proposals. The kings of France wanted to marry her because she was young, beautiful, a very nice soul, not only physically, but spiritually beautiful. Uh, the king of Portugal wanted to marry her for her son. So she had many requests, but she said, marriage is holy. I need to marry for law to build a family and build the kingdom of God. So when she found Fernando, she decided that God was calling her to marriage. She married Fernando. And from that moment, they started reuniting the country. Mm. And when they finished in 1492, they finally won the, the war against the Muslims. The invaders returned to Africa. She said, we have to bring that to the world, the, the good news to the end of the world. And that's why she supported Columbus to America. Oh, so that's and interesting. What about her? So what about her husband then? I know, like, for instance, the blessed Karl of Austria here in the United States, for, for whatever reason, he is incredibly popular in the United States, even though he has very little connection to us. And his wife, Empress Zita, is also a servant of God, and they're pursuing her canonization as well. Um, is Ferdinand, was he a holy man, or what was what do we know about him? He wasn't. 
I, I'm not here to judge him. I don't know, but he he did have affairs in the marriage with mm. Isabel at the beginning. He lived, he lived in another country, and then they, they united Aragon and, and Castile. But initially, he he had three or four years living outside of his house, and he did. And he was a great man. He was one, probably one of the best. Uh, a lot of historians, it's not me that say that Machiavello and a lot of people that wrote about leaderships and how to be the best uh, governor were inspired by his figure. He was a huge military strategy man. He was a great soldier. He led his men to, into battle every time in the first. He was, uh, he, he reunited Europe with his policies and diplomacies. He, he almost controlled the whole world to put it on to the service of God. He was a very good Catholic and he married a, an exceptional woman, but I don't think he was a holy. <laughs> mm. That's good to know. That's good to keep in mind that uh, we want to make a distinction between, you know, there's many, many saints who their spouses were unfortunately, uh, the, we'll say the cause of their sanctification. <laughs> oh, praise be to God. So Queen Isabel, so she does this. How, what about her latter half of her life? We get to the situation of coming to the new world. Um, and people tend to know a little bit about that story, but what happens after that? Unfortunately, because of so many kids she had and she didn't uh, stop by any uh, sickness or anything. So, for example, he was she was sick with high fevers. Nobody wanted her to travel. And she went on a horse for 200 miles. Wow. To help, to help people that were suffering in her kingdom. So she never took care of her health or anything. So she died. Fifteen years later, she she they discovered America in 1492. She passed away in 1504. So her humbleness and her abandonment in the will of God didn't make a for a long life. What she did in the meantime was uh, she she had a plan following the will of God to unite reunite Spain. She had then she had the plan to settle the rule of America, the whole America from north to south. So they, she, she first sent explorers to every place in the, in the continent. They, they went from the south of Chile to the north of Alaska. Her will was, we have to evangelize these people. They, Columbus at the beginning thought he, was, he reached the East Indies. But they said, no, we found the West Indies. And, and Isabella gathered all the knowledge at that time from Italy, from Belgium, from everywhere to say, where, where have we arrived? So Columbus died not thinking that he had discovered the, the East Indies, but they, they already knew by 1500 that this was a new whole continent with new inhabitants that didn't know anything about our Lord or the gospel. And see worked so hard finding, choosing the right missionaries, the right orders, the Jesuits, the Franciscans, the Dominicans. She was in charge of the spiritual conquest of America. Wow. Until she died. And so what what about her death? One of the most inspiring things about King St. Ferdinand, who's one of my favorite saints, is the way he died, I think it's just a beautiful, beautiful thing. Uh, so what about Queen Isabel's death? What was it like? 
Yeah, not as exemplary as Ferdinand because she was very sick. She laid in bed almost for three years. Oh, wow. She took care of everything from, from bed, writing letters to the Pope, to other kings, to everyone in the world, to missionaries, to mm, the first explorers. She wrote contact with everyone. And, of course, taking care of her family. She had marriage alliances with many kings because they wanted to reunite the Christendom. And I think um, she got it. She got. She built the Christendom that was broken for many centuries. And if it wouldn't be for the change of succession, because she died young, then Ferdinand kept living until 1515, 1514, more or less. And then we had a different uh, family in the, in, in the throne. If it weren't for that, the Kirstendom would never have been broken again because they built a very solid, uh, and she did, she offered her life mm. for her family to stay close to God, close to the Holy Church. And she suffered a lot, but it was a humble death, gathered and surrounded by her family and working with the bishops in the evangelization of the, America, the whole world. Well, praise be to God. I think that's a absolutely wonderful and beautiful story to, to hear. If people want to find out more information about her, uh, where can people go to uh, to stay up to date on the on the situation? Yeah, we, we have the website reginacatholica.org. To, uh, Catholic means universal. And what she did, she, she, dis- she took care of the discovery of America. But in 1508, Oh, one, the, she sent in 1497, she sent the course to navigate the world. I'm sorry, Mr. Binad, we are out of time, but God bless you. God love you. A great conversation. Check it out, reginacatholica.org for more information. We're going to go to a quick break. When we come back, Alan Smith with Bishop Sheen today. God bless you. God love you. And I'll see you very soon. are a young and diverse generation helping those in need and promoting human rights we care for the environment we embrace authentic witnesses and dream of a better world our passion comes from god who loves us even when we fall and cheers on our victories if you sometimes wonder is there something more then come and see at catholicscomehome.com Have you heard about life coaching? Hi, this is Coach Felicity with your Stand Tall Today Coaching Minute. Coaching is one of the things Jesus did with his disciples. Whenever they were stuck, overwhelmed, or even struggling a bit, Jesus asked questions that brought clarity and hope. He then used ongoing conversations that helps them to navigate the path and completely change their lives. Just like the disciples, we too can find ourselves feeling stuck, overwhelmed, and struggling a bit. Maybe you need help in your marriage or with a parenting issue. You're navigating a loss. You want to improve your health or advance your career. At StandTallToday.com, our experienced coaches will help you to take another look at life, renew your hope, get past those challenges, and step into living abundantly. You can find out more about coaching and schedule a free introductory call by visiting us at StandTallToday.com. Listen, life is too short to stay stuck. Contact us at StandTallToday.com. When I was outside of the church, there was always an unsettled feeling. There was always a feeling of something missing. 
and something not complete. The, the deal clincher is we found our way to our, our parish, and we met just an incredible pastor. We learned things that we'd never been taught. Wouldn't be the person that I am without the church and without the sacraments, particularly the Eucharist. I can't live without it. If you've been away from the Catholic Church, visit catholicscomehome.org. Over the years, people were treated as less than human because they were a different race, a different faith, or vulnerable. But over time, we must learn that we are all God's children, created in His image, that all human creation has an inalienable right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, a right to love and be loved. So let's cherish the sanctity of life because we know how it feels when others treat us as less than human. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. Praise be to God. It's good to be on with you today. Just wrapped up an awesome conversation about Queen Isabel of Spain. Yeah. What a wonderful, wonderful woman. You think about royalty who were saintly. Queen Isabel is always on that list. Well, praise be to God. Hopefully she'll be canonized one day very soon. But we shall see. We shall see if it happens. Uh, but right now, we're going to be talking about fatherhood. We're going to be talking about fatherhood with Alan Smith with Bishop Sheen today. Good morning to you, Alan. Good morning, Adrian. Thanks for having me on this morning. Uh, it's snowing, blustery up here in Canada. But uh, whenever I come on Catholic Drive Time, it warms my heart. It makes me forget about the snow because we talk about heaven and how to get there. And uh, today we'll be talking about how to become uh, better husbands and fathers uh, through the wisdom of the Venerable Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen. And it's funny that all this fatherly wisdom and how to be a good person is found in the book, The Priest is Not His Own, because we all have a priestly element to us. Uh, when we were baptized, we received that beautiful commission to be priest, prophet, and king. So uh, sometimes we forget that priestly role that we have in our hearts. So uh, Fulton Sheen gives us some wisdom of how to live out that priesthood uh, in our lives, and especially, especially in the domestic church, which many of us belong to. Now, it was, that would be, I thought it would be a really interesting conversation to talk about chapter 13 of the book, The Priest is Not His Own. Because here, it kind of gets into the topic of defense, right? So you got to know what the offense of the enemy is. So that way you can defend yourself against the offensive of the enemy. And here in chapter 13, it's uh, titled Judas and the First Crack in His Priesthood. And you immediately can imagine, what would be the first crack in the priesthood of the father of the house. Uh, so, Alan, what are your thoughts on this? Uh, well, I tell you, I think what Fulton Sheen does is he says to us, remember, Judas was a priest. Judas was one of the 12 disciples, the apostles. Like, he was one of the chosen. Uh, we are chosen. Um, so we can be a Judas or a Peter. But still, it's that idea of betrayal. And when we read the gospel, 
we see how Judas betrayed our Lord. Uh, but the first cracks in his priesthood wasn't necessarily his greed. And, and this is something we think of, of course, his love of money. Uh, but the first cracks in his priesthood actually came about through the Eucharist. And uh, again, when our Lord said to his apostles, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you shall not have life within you. Well, when Judas heard those words, he was like the masses. Um, he fell away. Um, he just couldn't accept that. And I think that was the first crack in his priesthood. He didn't believe. He didn't believe in the Eucharistic presence, the power of the Eucharist being fed by our Lord. And so that was the first crack. And, and I think sometimes we as Catholics, we have to be very careful that, yeah, we can have that similar disbelief. Uh, we think of the Pew Research study that says, you know, <laughs> that high percentage uh, that don't believe in the real presence. So even back in the time of Judas, you know, a third of the people fell away. Uh, many people did not follow him anymore. Uh, so that was the first crack in Judas's priesthood. It was his Eucharistic disbelief. And uh, so we have to be very careful that we don't fall into that same sin, that same pattern of being sloppy when it comes to the Eucharist. And so uh, sometimes I think, you know, we as fathers, are we showing our children a good example when we go to Holy Mass? Are we paying attention? Are we focused? And do we share with our children that we actually believe? We believe in the Eucharist. So, again, this is the warning shot. Uh, the first crack in Judas's priesthood was, again, a Eucharistic crack. And so that's how Fulton Sheen begins that chapter. I think that's a really important thing to keep in mind. And he says here, was avarice the beginning of the fall of Judas? No. His fall began with lack of faith and trust in the Lord. And I think that's something that we, I think that's a very hard saying, right? We have to trust and have faith in the Lord. And once that is kind of shirked, you kind of get rid of that. It starts to go a little bit away. Then we start seeing cracks in our priesthood, cracks in the fatherhood of a, of a parent. And things start to go downhill. And what say you, Alan, how does one avoid falling into those cracks? Well, you know, Fulton Sheen gives us some, um, you know, what I like to say, things to look out for. Um, and it's, you know, this examination of conscience that the saints recommend is so important, uh, reflecting at the end of the day how we did. But Fulton Sheen gives some good examples. He says, you know, um, he would say to a priest, he'd say, are you doing a 15 minute mass now? Are you only giving one minute of thanksgiving? Um, and I think this is where we find ourselves. You know, are we at mass and just kind of just giving the Lord a 15 second thanksgiving, a uh, one minute? Or are we staying after five, 10 minutes to thank the Lord? Uh, these are all things that we just start to fall out of love. Um, and I think that's where we have to be very careful. So examine your conscience and really, um, you know, check yourself thinking about how do I really uh, act at mass? And again, am I really there to meet the Lord, to be fed by him? Or are we just going through the motions? So uh, sometimes when you see when people fall away from the faith, 
is because they were just going through the motions. They had fallen out of love with the Lord, especially the Eucharistic Lord. Amen. Amen. And I think it's uh, the Eucharistic Lord is something that we need to focus on, especially right now. The, the people, everyone's talking about the Holy Eucharist and the Eucharistic revival and all these different things. And I think it's important to remember that, and like you mentioned, Judas, it wasn't greed. It was disbelief in the Holy Eucharist. And we have to be more like Peter, where Peter said, to whom shall we go? You have the words of everlasting life and recognize the truth of the gospel. And I, my prayer, I say um, the same prayers whenever the, the priest is consecrating the host. I'll say, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. I believe, I adore, I hope, and I love you. I beg pardon for those who do not believe, do not believe, do not hope, and do not love, and do not, and do not adore, and do not love you. And I'll say, my Lord and my God. So I'll say those three things at the consecration of the host because I'm trying to remind myself, make a basically an act of faith, hope, and charity to the Holy Eucharist. Uh, what say you, Alan? Well, it's very interesting how Fulton Sheen, um, you know, when our blessed Lord was saying to his disciples, one of you will betray me. Um, the 11 who didn't betray our Lord called him Lord. Lord, is it not, not I? And so they used the word Lord. Um, yet Judas said master. He mm. called him master. And again, Fulton Sheen reminds us of the words from sacred scripture saying, unless you have the Holy Spirit within you, you cannot call Jesus Lord. Um, Judas had the spirit of Satan in him. So he couldn't call Jesus Lord. He could only call him master. And so I think of Jesse Romero and how he talked about prison inmates who were possessed. They couldn't say Jesus is Lord. Um, so again, this idea of calling our Lord Lord, um, you know, and not master. But again, it's the spirit. The Holy Spirit will animate us. So uh, let us always practice calling um, and calling out on the Lord, saying, Lord, Lord, and really mean it. So uh, the use of language is so important. It's so important. But yet, one thing that Fulton Sheen really stresses is that our Lord was always offering Judas an opportunity to repent, an opportunity to come to him. He never gave up on Judas, even to the end, and he doesn't give up on us. He will continue to give us opportunities to reconcile with him, to amend our lives. So uh, never give up hope. Never give up hope. So that's an interesting thing to bring up, Alan, because... You know, we, we like to con, the, to contrast Peter and Judas, right? They both betrayed our Lord. But then once someone betrays our Lord, we have to make a choice, right? We can either repent or we can just wallow in our, in our, in our sin and ultimately be self-destructive to the point for Judas that he killed himself. Um, so what say you, Alan, whenever a father fails in his priesthood, fails to live up to the standard in which God is calling him to. What's the solution? It makes a mistake. Maybe, maybe one of his kids uh, didn't turn out Catholic and you, he blames himself. Maybe one of the kids left the faith. Maybe he blew up on his kids one day and, and spanked his kid too hard. Uh, what's, what's the solution here, Alan? Well, it's, it's a word called contrition. Um, we have to, you know, meditate and 
And we have to sit down and say, who did I really offend? Yes, I offend my child or, um, you know, someone in my family, but I offended the Lord. I offended the Lord and it's his heart that I wounded. So to go to him. And I think that was the difference between Peter and Judas is that Peter apologized to the Lord. He went to him and said, I'm sorry. And of course he had that our Lord looked at him and his heart uh, was touched. And of course he had true remorse and he cried tears to, to make even furrows in his face. So, uh, but he had that repentance and contrition. Um, and he went to the Lord directly. And that's what we can do. We can go to the Lord directly and ask for forgiveness by going to confession. Yet, uh, Judas just kind of thought to himself, he never went to the Lord. Um, so that's the difference. That's the difference. And of course, Judas fell into the, uh, to despair. So, um, just, you know, again, you can make your choice. You can choose despair as Judas did, or you can choose to reconcile and go and do what Peter did and, uh, ask the Lord directly for forgiveness. So, um, there's the difference there, but um, we ignore confession too much in this world. We need to make it more of a priority. Yeah, from somebody was telling me, they said, after, after say, I think it was a priest friend of mine, actually, I'm trying to remember who told me this, but they said, after the year, uh, the Eucharistic revival is over, we need to have a confession revival. We need to have a penance, sacrament of penance revival after this, because, geez, yeah, we had the year of mercy, but we really need to have just a catechesis on penance, a, a giant, just like a missionary activity of confessions all across um, the Catholic world, which, which is the whole world. Uh, but Alan Smith, with uh, just about a minute left in our conversation, uh, where can people find out more information? Where can people pick up the book and any last uh, departing uh, wisdom? Oh, yes. Um, again, people can pick up the book on Amazon. Uh, it's been a number one uh, bestseller in Catholic self-help and, uh, of course, uh, books on the clergy. So uh, thanks to everyone for their support. Um, again, it's uh, bishopsheentoday.com is the website, uh, but the books can be found on Amazon. And uh, remember that uh, our blessed Lord uh, has called us all to our priesthood. Let us never forget that, but let us be Eucharistic. And that is the key to a good and healthy priesthood is to be a Eucharistic priest. So uh, go to the Eucharist and, of course, pray your holy hour. Carve that hour each day uh, in your busy schedules to be with the Lord, to listen to him. So, again, thanks for having me on today and look forward to coming back next week. Amen. Amen. And if you are looking for a good Christmas gift to give a seminarian, a priest, or maybe a father, then maybe a priest is the, the priest is not his own is the book for you to get for your favorite priest seminary, or maybe your, your least favorite priest or seminarian, if you know what I mean. Well, praise be to God, Alan Bishop Sheen today, check it out. Bishop Sheen today.com. God bless you. God love you, Alan. God love you too. All right. We're going to go into our game show, fear and trembling, where we're going to be giving away prizes and you could be a winner. Simply pick up the phone and dial that number eight, seven, 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 five, seven, nine, four, two, four, eight, seven, 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 five, seven, nine, four, two, four. That's the number to call to be part of our game show, fear and trembling. A very simple thing to keep in mind. And here's the trick. We always take the first caller. So if you're, you're the first caller, then we will be taking your call, 877-757-9424. I'm going to give you that number one last time, 
877-757-9424. We'll be right back with Beer and Trembling Game Show right after this. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever noticed what happens when you try to keep up with the current fashions? You go nuts. When we are obsessed with keeping up with the times, we become slaves. Fashions are never settled. To chase something that is always changing is simply futile. It's not freedom, it's insanity. G.K. Chesterton says... The Catholic Church is the only thing that saves a man from the degrading slavery of being a child of his age. Christianity is always out of fashion because it's always sane, and fashions are always insane. The Catholic Church never has to worry about being behind the times because it is beyond the times. Want more than a minute? Visit our website, chesterton.org. There was no single event. It was more gradual. You know, eventually you just don't go one Sunday and then you don't go two Sundays in a row. Then went through a divorce and um, ended up being a single parent. If I didn't have church or God, I, I, I would be back at that lonely stage, that trouble stage. Whenever you get anxious and worry about things, you just know that Jesus has it under control. If you've been away from the Catholic Church for any reason, visit catholicscomehome.org. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. (laughs) The Catholic trivia game show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. And... Whoa, I just remember, I just dawned on me, Rudy. Oh my goodness. Today is a day. Today is the day. We draw the name. uh, Yeah, exactly. We draw the name today because Mm -hmm. tomorrow is the Feast of Immaculate Conception. And so it's, there's no game show tomorrow. It's going to be pre recorded material tomorrow at this time. And so today is a day to win the coffee cup of Divine Providence. We're going to draw a name today. Can you believe it? Now, okay. I jumped ahead. I it just all of a sudden popped in my head and I just blurted it out. And so let me just give you an update on what's going on here. So we have three Catholic trivia questions. And the trick is I'm not going to ask you the questions. I'm going to ask Rudy the questions. Rudy is going to give me an answer. Your job is to tell me whether or not Rudy is correct or whether or not he is incorrect. And every right answer goes into the coffee cup of divine providence to win this week's prize. Rudy, what could they win? Praise be to God. This week you can win a replica of the coffee cup of divine providence. Now, yesterday, something strange was going on. This is the actual coffee cup of divine providence. You're not going to receive this one. You're going to receive a replica uh, of it. Okay. And if you want to see what it looks like, you can join us on our live streams. Uh, just go to grnonline.com forward slash CDT and you can see all of the different platforms we stream to. But uh, we're going to give away the the replica of the Coffee Cup of Divine Providence. Now, you're going to have to read between the lines a little bit here. Wink, wink. Wink, wink. Nudge, nudge. 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 Some might say even foreshadowing. The days are coming where you will not be able to receive this coffee cup of divine providence replica ever again. 
ever. Things are changing. Don't ask me what they are. I am not at liberty to say, but things are going to change sometime soon. Oh, my goodness. Mm, for the good, for the worst. Uh, You're stressing probably, me out, Probably Rudy. for the good. Now, if you want that coffee cup of divine providence, I think we're going to have a couple more opportunities coming up in the next weeks. But uh, let's, but let's go to a game show. Quickly now. coming to a close. Exactly. I need some like ominous music to like like dun, 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 please dun, no more something. no more no more <laughs> ominous things this morning. That's true. Good point. No no ominous things today. All right. Well, joining us right now is Nanunka. Good morning to you. Good morning. Praise be to God. It's good to hear your voice. Uh, you're a repeat caller, right? You've called in. It's been a long time since you called in, though. Yes, I am, and hopefully a repeat. Winner, because I got one of those coffee cup of you know that big hot coffee cup of divine providence. <laughs> yes. So you need a second one so that you don't use the one that's autographed. Well, when you called in, it wasn't with uh, it wasn't with Rudy, right? Um, I don't know who it was. Sorry, <laughs> I don't recall. Well, Nanunka, remind me uh, where where are you calling in from? Virginia. Virginia. Virginia, yes. praise be to God. Now, where are you off to this morning? Well, um, nowhere yet. I'm just getting ready. Uh, normally, 8.30 to church. Um, but Thursdays, uh, it's also to church, but at 12 o'clock. So I'm taking a little bit of time to get ready today. Well, so. praise be to God. Uh, do me a favor and offer a extra Hail Mary while you're at church for uh, the CDT crew. We would be very grateful. For sure. Thank you. Thank you very much. All right, Anunka, you are familiar with the game. You know how it's played. Are you ready to jump into it? I am. All right, let's jump into it. Rudy, question number one for you. The question on the board is, what is the ruling on the number of statues of each saint allowed in a church? Okay, so there's a special dispensation for this. Oh. If your church is named after a patron saint, you can have a total of three of the same patron saint statue in that church. Mm. If it's not that patron saint, if it's not named after a patron saint, then just one of each. Okay. But specifically, you can have three if it's named after a specific patron saint. Okay, so you're going with three mm-hmm. if it's the patron saint. If. Okay. Yes. All, all right, Nanunka. Um, this could be a tricky question because, honestly, whew, I wouldn't know the answer to this one. Uh, 15 seconds on the clock. The question on the board is, what is the ruling on the number of statues of each saint allowed in a church? Rudy says three if it's the patron saint. Otherwise, it's only one. Uh, what say you, Nanunka? I think I'll go with what Rudy says. I don't know the answer, but I'll, I believe he's telling the truth. You, that was your first mistake, <laughs> believing Rudy. All right, <laughs> let's go with it. Survey says. Oh, Nanunka. No, unfortunately, uh, Rudy was being tricky because the correct Ooh. answer is one of each, and there I don't see any exceptions for any patron saints. Uh, so there I you go. Now, okay. if anybody knows where that's written, I would be super interested in learning this because I this is the first time I've ever heard this, 
And I'm yeah. guessing this is just not, this is like probably a rule on a paper and never enforced because I've definitely seen multiple statues of the same saint in some churches. Uh, so <laughs> I, I, I'm very curious about this. I'm very, if anybody knows, has a source for this. Uh, please reach out to me because I Source? would love to know. I made it up. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. No, I'm, that actually is. You can have only one. Only and the one? punishment oh. is excommunication. <laughs> Imagine. Just kidding. Excommun- I, I, I added that. Never mind. Never mind. Excommunicado for having two statues of the same. Yeah. Imagine. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> Latex intensive. Oh, you incur excommunication upon yourself. And you can only be forgiven with confession directly to the Pope. Oh man, now before brutal. No, 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 none of that is true. None of that is true. The Just only kidding. true thing about that is that you the ruling of the number of statues of each saint allowed in a church is one of each. Um, but if anybody can source that, please reach out to me. I'd be super curious to learn more about that. But Nanunka, don't worry, you got the hardest question wrong. I get that totally yeah. with you there. Um, are you ready for question okay. number two? I am ready. All right, this one should be a little bit easier. Rudy, question number two for you. Mm-hmm. The question on the board is, what is the name of Abraham's nephew who did not, let me say again, did not perish in the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah? That would be the only guy who did not turn to salt. Just kidding. Other people survived too, right? No. His family did. Uh, Yeah, his family did. (sighs) Ah. unfortunate they turned into the dead sea uh that was a lot a lot a lot yeah yeah his wife turned to i mean uh maybe theoretically if that was the correct anyway the question on the board is 15 seconds on the clock Nanunka. uh what is the name of abraham's nephew who did not perish in the destruction of sodom and gomorrah rudy says it is lot uh, what say you nanunka I agree. That's she true. Agrees. All right, let's find out. Survey says that is correct, Anunka. <laughs> that is in fact correct. His kids survived not. too, though. His kids survived. Yeah. His wife turned to she turned salt. back. Um, everybody else just yeah. got glassed. Like God, just like Man. fire from heaven, glass Sodom and Gomorrah. His wife turned to salt, and his kids survived. So there you go, brimstone yeah. from the sky. Yeah, I hate when that happens. Honestly. Um, actually, you know, we could probably use it. We're probably going to get that soon. Um, anyway. All right, Anunka. Uh, you're doing great. You're one out of two. That's a pretty good odds right there. Um, are you ready for question number three? I'm ready. All right. Let's do it. Question number three for you, Rudy. Man, this question's kind of hard, too. All right, Rudy. All hard question Thursday, <laughs> apparently. Question number three. What is the name of the former cathedral? Did I just like four more? I, I can't say words. Yeah, I think I did. <laughs> what is the name of the former cathedral in the Red Square, which features elaborately decorated onion-shaped domes? Oh, uh, you're talking about Russia. Yeah. Okay. So um, it's pretty straightforward, actually. It's onion in Russian. The ah. Onion Cathedral, which is Luke Bas- Luke Cathedral. Let me let me see. How do you pronounce <laughs> cathedral in cathedralin cathedral cathedralni sabor? Four hours later, cathedralni sabor. Luke. 
In English, please. Onion Cathedral. The Onion Cathedral. All <laughs> right. All right, Nanuka. Cathedral. 15 seconds on the clock. Are you fluent in Russian? Because um, I certainly am not. The question on the board is, what is the name of the former cathedral in the Red Square which features elaborately decorated onion-shaped domes. Rudy says, well, it's a Russian name, and none of us here speak Russian, but in English, it's the Onion Cathedral. What say you, Nanunka, from Virginia? Well, thank you very much, Rudy, for making that a very obvious <laughs> <laughs> I would disagree. She disagrees with that. All right. Are you um, sure? Are you positive? Ah, well, let's find out. Survey yeah. says that is correct. Anuka. It is food related. It's though. actually it's Saint, the Basil Cathedral. Saint Basil's <laughs> Cathedral, not basil. Saint Basil, basil right? the herb, right? No, like Saint Basil the Great. What are you talking about? Because the basil leaf, it looks like it looks like the dome, right? No, 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 absolutely not. It's it's St. Basil's Cathedral in Nunca. All right, we're running out of time. Let's have a drum roll so we can pull out the name of the winner for this week. Uh, thank you very much, Drummer, Drummer Boy. Boy. There He's you back are. In the office. All right. Uh, he uh, didn't. He didn't forget here. that it was today. Was a day. All right. Pull Drummer a name. Boy. It's, yeah, the day that. Yeah. Okay. The day that we bring the, un- the, the <laughs> onion. The Drummer Boy out is the day he gets fed. So. Uh, <laughs> wow. It's actually Nanuka. No. Nanuka. Let's go. Wild. Oh my goodness. Thank you, Drummer Boy. All right, Nanuka. We're out of time. But stay on the line so we can get your contact information. We're going to put you on hold. But God bless you. God love you. Have a blessed day. All right. Putting you on hold. And that's going to do it. We're going to go into the after show. We'll tell you about our plans for the weekend and our trip to San Antonio. Talk about that in the after show. Uh, Plus, what's going to be airing tomorrow. All this will be revealed in the after show. Hop on our social media platforms, YouTube, Facebook, Rumble. Just look up Catholic Drive Time. But if not, um, well, you'll hear us tomorrow, 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern. God bless you. God love you. And we'll see you very soon. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas. O word that goest forth from high, from God's own depths eternally, and in these latter days was born, for succor to a world forlorn. Pour light upon us from above, and fire our hearts with ardent love, that as we hear thy truth today, all wrong desires may burn away. 
In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, the Lord be with you. My brothers and sisters, let us acknowledge our sins, and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. I confess to Almighty God, and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done, in what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore, I ask, Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Let us pray. O God, who made the Bishop St. Ambrose a teacher of the Catholic faith and a model of apostolic courage, raise up in your church men after your own heart to govern her with courage and wisdom. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the book of the prophet Isaiah. On that day they will sing this song in the land of Judah. A strong city have we. He sets up walls and ramparts to protect us. Open up the gates to let in a nation that is just, one that keeps faith. A nation of firm purpose you keep in peace, in peace for its trust in you. Trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord is an eternal rock. He humbles those in high places, and the lofty city he brings down. He tumbles it to the ground, levels it with the dust. It is trampled underfoot by the needy, by the footsteps of the poor. The Word of the Lord. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Open to me the gates of justice, I will enter them and give thanks to the Lord. This gate is the Lord's, the just shall enter it. I will give thanks to you, for you have answered me and have been my Savior. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. O Lord, grant salvation. O Lord, grant prosperity. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of the Lord. The Lord is God, and he has given us light. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. Seek the Lord while he may be found. 
Call him while he is near. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you. Jesus said to his disciples, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. Everyone who listens to these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on rock. The rain fell, the floods came, and the winds blew and buffeted the house. But it did not collapse. It had been set solidly on rock. And everyone who listens to these words of mine but does not act on them will be like a fool who built his house on sand. The rain fell, the floods came, and the winds blew and buffeted the house, and it collapsed and was completely ruined. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. These two readings today go beautifully together. In that first reading from the book of the prophet Isaiah, he prophesies that they will sing a song, and that song will be, A strong city have we. He sets up walls and ramparts to protect us. And it goes on to say, Trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord is an eternal rock. It is that rock and that bulwark, that stronghold, that we encounter in the, in the gospel today, who is Jesus. And if we follow his word, if we put it into practice, not just say it, we put it into practice, then we have this very strong foundation on which we have built our life. Everyone who listens to these words of mine and acts of them will be like a wise man who built his house on rock. In both cases, those who build their house on rock and those who build it on sand, what happens? Well, the floods come, the rain falls, the floods come, and the winds blow. And it's going to buffet that house. That is one thing we can be sure of, that trials, temptations, and difficulties will come. And Jesus says, you will have all kinds of things. Houses, mothers, brothers, and sisters. Oh, and persecutions as well. That comes. That's the icing on the cake. That will come. It's not that it, won't, it will or will not. It will come, but when it comes, if we have really set our life on that solid rock, who is Jesus, and upon his word, and we put that into practice, then our house will not fall apart. In practical terms, maybe we could think of it in this way. Especially in times of difficulty, there's certain prayers that we say, and they may be certain ejaculations like, Lord, I trust in you, or Jesus, help me. Those are important. If we repeat those, sometimes called the Jesus prayer, this is quite well known in the Eastern Church. In the Western Church, we have the rosary, but we also have those simple ejaculations, Lord, I trust in you, or Lord, help me, or Lord, have mercy on me. And if we repeat that over and over and over again, then it becomes, it becomes so part of us that it goes to the rhythm of our heart and to the rhythm of our breathing. But that's just the first part. The most important part is we have to really believe that that word is true. If I say, Lord, trust, I trust in you, but I don't trust him, and I'm still filled with even more anxiety, something is wrong. I don't trust that word. If I ask the Holy Spirit to come, we pray that prayer, come Holy Spirit. And I keep praying it until then the Spirit comes. I don't need to pray that prayer because he has come. 
I need to trust to be able to trust in the Lord. If I set my heart and my life on that word and God is true, he will come through, then I need to trust that. And if I do, then I've set my life solidly on that rock. It's true, either sometimes we have doubts or sometimes we begin to falter. That house begins to shake a little bit. But that's where I go back and I read, God is faithful. A strong city he has set up. He is an eternal rock, and I can trust in the Lord forever. What great confidence that gives us. What great strength that fills us, especially in times when we are weak. The Lord will come through. We need to trust his word. If we ask for his help, we can be sure that he will come to save us, to help us. If we're not quite sure, that little doubt in our head begins to kind of worm its way in. And then, of course, the enemy is ready to kind of laugh at us. Let us trust in the Lord. Let us put that word into action by truly trusting him and walking in his ways. We celebrate this wonderful doctor of the church, St. Ambrose. Talk about somebody who, had, who was very eloquent in his words. Uh, so much did he trust in the Lord, and so much did his preaching affect others that he won over the heart of Augustine and was part of his conversion story, along with, of course, his mother, who would pray every day for her son, but trusted in the Lord that she knew that, he would, he, that the Lord would come through. And what do we have? We have this tremendous saint, St. Augustine, because of this man who truly trusted in the Lord and his mother who prayed for him every single day of her life. That is what it is to set our heart and our lives on this rock. The Lord, trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord is an eternal rock. Amen. Let's bring our prayers and petitions before our Heavenly Father that Christ may fill our Holy Father, Pope Francis, our Bishop Michael, and the whole order of bishops with spiritual gifts and graces through the intercession of St. Ambrose. Let us pray to the Lord. Let's pray for an increase of vocations to the priesthood and the religious life that God will raise up men and women after his own heart. Let us pray to the Lord. that Christ may guide the minds of those who govern us to promote the common good according to his holy will. Let us pray to the Lord. That Christ may banish disease, drive out hunger, and ward off every affliction. Let us pray to the Lord. That Christ may find us watching in prayer when he comes. Let us pray to the Lord. the intentions of those joining us on Guadalupe Radio, online, and those here present. We pray, too, for the holy souls in purgatory that they may rest in peace. Let us pray to the Lord. Almighty, ever-living God, who brings salvation to all and desire that no one should perish, hear the prayers of your people and grant that the course of our world may be directed by your peaceful rule and your church rejoice in tranquility and devotion. Through Christ our Lord. Amen.
Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation, and for through your goodness we have received the bread we offer you, fruit of the earth and work of human hands, who will become for us the bread of life. Blessed be God. Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation, for through your goodness we have received the wine we offer you, fruit of the vine and work of human hands, who will become our spiritual drink. Pray, dearly beloved, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. As we celebrate the divine mysteries, O Lord, we pray, may the Holy Spirit fill us with that light of faith by which he constantly enlightened St. Ambrose for the spreading of your glory through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is truly right and just our duty and our salvation, always and everywhere to give you thanks. Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and Eternal God, through Christ our Lord. For he assumed at his first coming the lowliness of human flesh, and so fulfilled the design you formed long ago, and opened for us the way to eternal salvation. That when he comes again in glory and majesty, and all is at last made manifest, we who watch for that day may inherit the great promise in which now we dare to hope. And so with angels and archangels, with thrones and dominions, and with all the hosts and powers of heaven, we sing the hymn of your glory, as without end we acclaim. Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus Dominus Deus Sabaoth, Pleni sunt celi et terra, Gloria tua, Hosanna in excelsis, Benedictus, qui venit in nomine Domini, Hosanna in excelsis. To you, therefore, most merciful Father, we make humble prayer and petition through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, that you accept and bless these gifts, these offerings, these holy and unblemished sacrifices, which we offer you firstly for your holy Catholic Church, be pleased to grant her peace, to guard, unite, and govern her throughout the whole world, together with your servant Francis, our Pope, and Michael, our Bishop, and all those who, holding to the truth, hand on the Catholic and apostolic faith. Remember, Lord, your servants. And all gathered here whose faith and devotion are known to you, for them we offer you this sacrifice of praise, or they offer it for themselves and all who are dear to them for the redemption of their souls in hope of health and well-being, and paying their homage to you, the eternal God, living and true. 
in communion with those whose memory we venerate, especially the glorious ever-Virgin Mary, Mother of our God and Lord, Jesus Christ, and blessed Joseph, her spouse, your blessed apostles and martyrs, Peter and Paul, Andrew, James, John, Thomas, James, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Simon, and Jude, Linus, Cletus, Clement, Sixtus, Cornelius, Cyprian, Lawrence, Chrysogonus, John and Paul, Cosmas, and Damian, and all your saints, we ask that through their merits and prayers and all things we may be defended by your protecting help. Therefore, Lord, we pray, graciously accept this oblation of our service, that of your whole family. Order our days in your peace, and command that we be delivered from eternal damnation and counted among the flock of those you have chosen. Be pleased, O God, we pray, to bless, acknowledge, and approve this offering in every respect. Make it spiritual and acceptable, so that it may become for us the body and blood of your most beloved Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. On the day before he was to suffer, he took bread in his holy and venerable hands, and with eyes raised to heaven, to you, O God, as Almighty Father, giving you thanks. He said the blessing, broke the bread, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and eat of it, for this is my body, which will be given up for you. In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took this precious chalice in his holy and venerable hands, and once more giving you thanks, he said the blessing and gave the chalice to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it, for this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. The mystery of faith, save us, Savior of the world, for by your cross and resurrection you have set us free. Therefore, O Lord, as we celebrate the memorial of the blessed Passion, the resurrection from the dead, and the glorious ascension into heaven of Christ, your Son, our Lord, we, your servants and your holy people, offer to your glorious majesty from the gifts that you have given us, this pure victim, this holy victim, this spotless victim, the holy bread of eternal life from the chalice of everlasting salvation. Be pleased to look, up, to look upon these offerings with a serene and kindly countenance and to accept them as once you were pleased to accept the gifts of your servant Abel the just, the sacrifice of Abraham our father in faith, and the offering of your high priest Melchizedek, a holy sacrifice, a spotless victim. In humble prayer, we ask you, Almighty God, command that these gifts be borne by the hands of your holy angel to your altar on high in the sight of your divine majesty, so that all of us who through this participation at the altar receive the most holy body and blood of your Son may be filled with every grace and heavenly blessing. Remember also your servants who have gone before us with the sign of faith and rest in the sleep of peace. Grant them, O Lord, we pray, and all who sleep in Christ, a place of refreshment, light, and peace. To us also, your servants, who, though sinners, hope in your abundant mercies, 
graciously grant some share in fellowship with your holy apostles and martyrs, with John the Baptist, Stephen, Matthias, Barnabas, Ignatius, Alexander, Marcellinus, Peter, Felicity, Perpetua, Agatha, Lucy, Agnes, Cecilia, Anastasia, and all your saints. Admit us, we beseech you, into their company, not weighing our merits, but granting us your pardon through Christ our Lord, through whom you continue to make all these good things, O Lord. You sanctify them, fill them with life, bless them, and bestow them upon us. Through him and with him and in him, O God, Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever. Amen. At the Savior's command, informed by divine teaching, we dare to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress, as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church, and graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will, who live and reign forever and ever. The peace of the Lord be with you always. Let us offer each other the sign of peace. Agnus Dei. Qui tollis peccata mundi, miserere nobis. Agnus Dei, qui tollis peccata mundi, miserere nobis. Agnus Dei, qui tollis peccata mundi, Dona nobis Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I am not worthy you should enter under my roof, but only say the word, and my soul shall be. For those unable to receive communion and those joining us online and through Guadalupe Radio, let us pray together the act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. 
Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. O sacrament most holy, O sacrament divine, All praise and all thanksgiving Be every moment thine. O sacrament most holy, O sacrament divine, all praise and all thanksgiving be every moment on. Let us pray. Lead us, who have been strengthened by the power of the sacramental Lord, so to profit from the teaching of St. Ambrose, that hastening fearlessly along your paths, we may be prepared for the delights of the eternal banquet, through Christ our Lord. The Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless you, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Go in peace, glorifying the Lord by your life. Thanks be to God. Ama, Redemptor is Mater, Que pervi aceli porta manes, Et stella maris, Sucure cadenti, Surgere qui curat populo, Tuque genuisti, Natura mirante, tuum sanctum genitorem, virgo prius. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our defense against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, thrust into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen.
prayer of deliverance. Almighty God and Father, we beg thee through the intercession and help of the archangels, St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel, for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. Spreading the splendor of truth. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul.